right, well, good morning. How is everybody? All right, good to see y'all. We are starting and kicking off a sermon series called Stretched. We are going to be talking about money and that, that issue that I think probably all of us have, I brought a rubber band, when we feel stretched financially. Um, I think there's a certain amount of tension and stress that probably is just normal, but there are times when the stress and the tension of there not being enough or we feel like there is not enough, that it can actually wreak a lot of havoc on our lives. And we're going to kind of be addressing that and looking at, I think, today, uh, a principle, uh, a story from the life of Jesus that it is, it is a, a, a principle, a passage that really set my heart free. Um, I remember this was back in the, in the late 90s, and it was like, you know how you hear something and it's like, that it just, it just kind of sets you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But, but to set this up today, I want to I wanna ask you a question. What is, if you had to say, what is kind of the one thing that is the grid through which you make your financial decisions? All right, so what is it, if you had to say, what is, what is it that you're trying to do with your money? All right, kind of thinking about that. Uh, what is it that you're trying to do? What is it that helps guide your financial decisions? You know, do we take this vacation? Do we do this? Do we not do that? How much do we put into our 401k? I want you to think about, um, as I thought about this question, as I was asking myself, I think that many of us will fall into, will answer this question, and, and kind of in two different areas. And, and, and you're going to, both of these are going to be a lens and a grid, but I, I think that this might, um, I think we tend to fall into one or two camps. Let's just, I'll just put it that way. I'll put it this way. Mark and I fall into one of these two camps. I'm in one camp. He's in the other camp. So here's what this looks like. I was trying not to just be too revealing, but let's just go ahead and say it. Uh, all right. Camp one is we base many of our financial decisions based on kind of the value of security. Now, now what this looks like, um, and, and it really is, am I safe financially? Am I setting enough into my 401k? Do I have enough margin between what I owe and what we spend and what I make so that I'm not going to get myself in a situation that I can't get out of? Um, am I going to be able to provide for my children? Am I going to be able to make sure that we as a family have what we need? Am I ever going to, how, what can I do to prevent that I never get into that place where I can't handle what is before me financially? So that's, that's one side, safety. All right, the other is, um, and, I, and I struggle with what to call this, I, I'm going to say experience. In other words, I want, there are things in this life that I want them. I don't necessarily need them, but I want them. Uh, maybe I want to live in a particular neighborhood or have a particular lifestyle. Um, that, and that's not bad in and of itself. And neither one of these are bad. Um, but it might be a particular lifestyle. It might be that you want to be able to, if you're a woman, you maybe want to be able to shop at a particular store um, where, you know, and you would like to be able to do that. 
and, and dress a particular way. You would like to wear certain types of jewelry. You would like to have certain types of vacations. In other words, there are these things that you want to experience in this life, have a certain lifestyle. Now, neither one of these are wrong, but, but here's the other question. Well, let me, let me set this up, is that sometimes the tension that we experience is because whichever, whichever our value, and, and, and we, both, we have both of these going on in our heart, but I think we tend to gravitate one, to the, one more than the other often. The tension and the stress comes, for me, is when I don't have enough in the safety and security pot, and I feel stressed because I'm fearful of what might be and I'm not prepared for it. Or, on the other hand, if someone is more of the sender, let's ex you know, have experience, don't worry about tomorrow, what can happen there is that you can get stretched financially because what you are accumulating and the things that you have said you're going to do or you've done, you maybe didn't quite have the resources, and so you have become overextended in your debt. I mean, it might be that summer is coming and everybody is going to the beach on vacation, and you feel like, well, our family wants to go to the beach too, but you know you don't quite have the money to do it, so you put it on the credit card, and then you spend the rest of the year paying that off. Or maybe it's Christmas and you don't want your children to not have what all the other children have, but you can't quite afford it, so you put it on the credit card. And so consumer debt begins to, the margin and the stress of, of paying off those bills begins to cause you financial stress. Now let me ask you another question. How would it change your life and how would it change your stress level, that feeling of being stretched, if you had more? Well, that would fix it, wouldn't it? You know, if I just had more. If we made more, if I had an investment that was doing better, if I had more, well, I could put more into my savings and my security pot. Well, if I had more, I could pay off those credit cards, and then we could do more. Have you ever been looking at your, your bills? Have you ever been, you know, trying to, you know, how are we going to pay this? And you just think, if I just had a little bit more, maybe you're driving down the road and you're feeling that pressure on you and you just kind of say out loud, Lord, I need to make more. I need more. Jesus, it's interesting, has a lot to say about money. The Bible has a lot to say about money. There are over 2,000 scriptures dealing with money in the Old and the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, which is where our passage is that we're going to be looking at today, do you know that Matthew, who was a tax collector, can we just say, he was a money guy, one out of every six verses he talks about money, did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell? So the stress that you feel today, the stress that I feel today, that tension between needing and wanting more sometimes, not feeling like there is enough, y'all, this is not a modern-day you know, phenomenon. This, this is not just something that came about because you know, somebody came up with a whole idea of credit cards. This tension has been around 
for thousands and thousands of years. And I think that if we can get our heads around the passage that we're going to be looking at today, I think there is a truth. And, and, when, I, and when I unpack it for you, you're going to go, well, that's so simple. I learned that, you know, when I was in when I was four years old and when I came to Sunday school, I learned this principle. But I think sometimes that we don't think about this principle in light of money management. So let's dig into our scripture today. You have it there in your program, and it was also um, up during the whirlwind. But I'm going to set up this passage and tell you a little bit about where we are in the scriptures when this occurs. So it comes from the book of Matthew. Uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the stories about the life of Jesus. Each one is a little bit different, but they have many similarities. So this scripture comes within a collection of uh, several, several chapters there, and we know these as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, when it begins, it says that Jesus went up to a hillside, and I'm, this is a loosely paraphrased Fran version, but anyway, Jesus went up to the hillside, and it says that his disciples came to him, but there was this crowd. So I want you to envision right now, as you're hearing these words, these are the words that Jesus spoke over 2,000 years ago. And he spoke them to a crowd, but the disciples are the one who leaned in to listen. So I'm not sure where you are today, but in your walk with God, but if you are a Christ follower, let me invite and encourage you to lean in close because I think these are words that Jesus, I love where it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That I think there's going to be a freedom as we dig into the words of Jesus. If you are part of the crowd, if you are a spectator checking it out at this time, I hope that you will lean in and listen as well at just this ancient wisdom that has so much to say about how we live our lives today in Macon, Georgia in 2016. All right, so I'm going to set it up a little bit. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and before we get into our passage, Jesus makes two very incredible statements. Um, if some of you have your iPhones, I'm going to give you permission if you would like, but please don't look on Facebook or start checking your email because that'll just hurt my feelings. But anyway, but if you want, if you ever want to, like you can just type it in, um, you know, like on the little Google search bar and you can get the full context. But it is Matthew 6, 21 is actually where we're starting today before I'm setting this up. But Jesus makes a statement and it's pretty profound. And he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the reason he says this is he sets it up and he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and, moth and rust and everything can destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your heart is, there will, there where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, what Jesus is speaking to here, remember the first question? What's that grid? What is it that kind of is your value? What kind of is underneath how you manage your money? Is it safety and security? Is it fear-based? Think about the person who saves and saves and saves and scrimps and scrimps and scrimps because they want to protect themselves from financial danger. And, and again, please don't hear me say that we should not be saving. We should. But I think the key in here, he says, when you are doing it for yourself, 
He said, beware, you're in dangerous waters. Imagine that you're driving down the road and there's these two guardrails. And between the two guardrails is safety. But he's saying, you're getting close to the edge there, kind of out of the safety zone. Beware, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The next thing that he says as we drop them down is in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. He said, because you will love the one and you will hate the other. No one can serve God and money. Now, I heard someone say one time that we, we instinctively think that Jesus should have said, you can't serve God and the devil. But he didn't say that. You can't serve God in your flesh. You can't serve God in sin. He says, no, you can't serve God in money. How do we serve money sometimes? All right, let's go to the other part. We've talked about safety and security. Now let's talk about our desire, that, that, that group of people that likes to spend, the desires, the wants, all that experience. When your eye is always desiring more than what you can afford, that's when you become, if you act on that, that's when you become a slave to your money and it becomes your master. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is when you get overextended on your credit cards, when between your house payment, between your, um, you know, your car payment, between your children's tuition, if they're going to a private school, or whatever those things are, you become so, you either become one or two things, the margin becomes so tight right there that you don't have any extra margin to do what God might have you do. I mean, one of the things that we're going to be talking about in this sermon series is tithing. Um, I am so thankful, and so I'm not going to talk about tithing, but I'm just going to touch on it really quick. Tithing, it is simply the biblical principle of giving 10% of your income back to the Lord. When I was in college, I am so, so thankful for this. I was involved in a campus ministry, and, you know, one of the Bible studies that we were in, or at some point, someone said, tithe now when you are a poor college student, because it's a whole lot easier to do it now than it will be when you're, you know, in the middle of your career or whatever, and you're making a lot of money, and it's going to be difficult to start then. And I remember at that time, I was a freshman, in, well, you know, my, during my college years, my, my, my allowance didn't go up. I'm very thankful for my parents and my daddy, but my daddy gave me $70 a week. And that was to cover my gas, my clothes, my food, anything that I wanted. Now, you know, I had friends that got more, and I had friends that got less. That's what I got, $70 a week. And when you only get $70 a week, and that's to cover everything, to write out that little $7 check to the church every week, it was painful. It hurt. But I did it, and I was faithful. And I, and I kid you not, since, and that was probably my sophomore year of college, I mean, God has continued to bless Mark and me. That's not to say that we do things perfectly financially. But I will say that we have been faithful giving our tithe now. What was that, 19, eight, however many years this has been. You know, we have been faithful. And my tithe is no longer $7 a week. It's more. But I gradually grew into that. 
so well that was a little aside but the point in that and I'm sorry I took us down a little rabbit trail but when you are a slave to your money it is because your debt and the thing your obligations have become so tight or maybe you're upside down on what you owe is that it becomes your slave it becomes the one that dictates to you every other thing in your life it dominates your thought it dominates your fears and it can also cause a tremendous amount of marital stress um, Gallup recently did a poll and said that 50% of divorces are because of financial stress over 50% of divorces are because of financial stress and I am here to tell you it has nothing to do with how much you make it has everything to do with how you manage your money I remember talking to a couple one time and and husband was was working you know like job he was working a lot of hours and and there was friction in the family because they were getting overextended and I uh, and I just and he was talking about I'm always having to work and I don't have time to spend with my wife I don't have time to spend with my kids and I and I was trying to be nice and gracious because that's what you're supposed to do when you're a pastor you know we're supposed to be nice but sometimes we just think thoughts you know we're like we're like I don't know about that but um, but I remember I just was sitting there thinking he was talking about how much financial stress he was over under and I thought dude your house is nicer than mine your truck is nicer than my husband's truck and and you're half our age <laughs> it's like downsize you're creating your own monster but that's what he is saying here and he sets this up and he is saying you've got the fear-based model you've got the desire model and either of those when they get out of balance is when you get under this financial stress so we go on down and let's pick this up and we're almost to our passage here Jesus says and he tells them he goes well here's the antidote here's what I want to tell you don't worry don't worry don't be anxious and I'm reading that and I'm thinking whoa, whoa, whoa God Jesus don't worry but you don't know you don't understand and he says don't worry about your money and I'm going to give you the path forward. Oh, okay. All right, Jesus is going to give me the path forward. He does know my bills. He does know my finances. He does know what's going on. He's going to give me the path forward. And then here is what he says, and he picks up right here. He says, look at the birds of the air. He said they don't plant or they don't store food in barns. Now, what does that remind us of? They don't store food in the barns. Remember, you're putting away, you're saving all of this to protect yourself so nothing bad can happen to you. He says, look at these birds. He said, they're not storing away food. He's not saying it's bad to save and to prepare for a rainy day. He's not saying any of that. But what he says is, he said, look at this your heavenly father feeds them and then he asked us this question he asked us this question and I want you to hear Jesus asking you this question when you're feeling stressed when you're feeling worried when you're feeling anxious I want you to hear your name right if you want to write your name in there aren't you far more valuable to him than they are 
aren't you more valuable to Jesus, to God, than these, than these birds? And I don't know why this was so revolutionary to me, because I thought that, you know, I don't even know how to put it into words sometimes. The, the anxiety that I would feel about the unknown, the possibility, like when is the other shoe going to drop? And I don't think that there is enough money in the world that could have ever completely satisfied and calmed my fears about having enough. But I remember I was actually in seminary and we were studying the book of Matthew and my professor said this. He said, what's at the root of worry, what's at the root of anxiety, is not truly in the depth and in the core of your being believing that there is a God in heaven who knows your name, who knows you, who knows your story, and he cares for you. He is the one that created the heavens, the earth, the stars, the solar system. He is the one that sent his only son because he loved you so much that he sent his son that he would die for you. Listen, he cares for you. And worrying about all this is not going to add a single minute to your life. Not a minute. I remember my, my grandmother, um, Lulu is what we called her, and she was, you know, is just this wonderful woman of God. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, and I was kind of at that point in life where I was connecting my, my self-esteem, my sense of worth, my sense of value to maybe what I might do vocationally one day. And at the time, you know, feeling some anxiety. Y'all hearing a common theme in my story, anxiety. <laughs> I might be the only one that lives this way. But, uh, but anyway, she was telling me about going through the Depression. Now, my mother was a little girl during the Depression, you know, like eight years old. And so my grandmother was just, I mean, she wasn't complaining. She was just kind of talking about, you know, what they had and what they did. And I remember looking at her one day, and I said, Lulu, I said, didn't you just feel poor? Like, didn't you feel? And she said, no. She said, you know, I just didn't really. She said, everybody had about the same amount as we did, and we had a garden, and we had cows. And she said, no, we were good. And I just remember thinking, money does not equate to a sense of peace and well, you know, how much you have, because she had much more when we were talking about this. This probably would have been in the late 80s or something like that. But Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. I care for you, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, whether you're upside down on your what you owe or whether you have tons in your retirement account, I care for you. And next he says, he goes on down, and he says, why do you worry about your clothing? Okay, he's talking about the other side of this. One is safety and security. Clothing is your wants, your desires, what you want your life to look like, the experience of your life. He says, why are you worried about how you're dressed? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Why did he say Solomon? Why do you think out of all the people that he could have picked out, he said Solomon? Solomon had it all. I mean, he had wisdom. He had the temple. He, had, he, he was magnificent. People from the surrounding countries 
would come to, to see all that Solomon had done, his wisdom, his wealth. No one kind of was higher, I guess, if, in terms of if they got their self-esteem from what they had than Solomon. And he says, you know, don't base and value your worth in this life on what you have. He said, Solomon, all of his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. these are. And he says it again. He said, if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he certainly will care for you. And again, that fits. The cure for anxiety, the cure for worry is not better budgeting. It is, I mean, that's going to have some impact, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But the, at its root, at its core, is really, truly in your heart of hearts knowing, I am safe, I am enough, God created me, God loves me, he sees me, he knows me, and he will care for me. He says, why do you have so little faith? And, and here we have it, y'all. It is a heart issue. It is a faith issue. It is not a money issue. It always has, and it always will be. He says, don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? And now, if, if you've got your pen out, and if you're taking notes, I'm going to invite you to circle this next little word here. He said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Dominate, that's the word. And I submit to you that whatever dominates your thinking is your idol, and it is your God. And God does not want money, the lack of it, or the, you know, working hard to, to, to save it so I'll be safe. He does not want that to be the thing that dominates your thinking. When you're driving down the road, when you're brushing your teeth, the thing that is going over and over and over in your head. He said that's what dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. People that don't know God, they don't know this amazing truth. He said, but your heavenly father, he already knows, he already sees what you need. Now, isn't that, isn't that just a beautiful, beautiful truth? I love this, and I, for me and for you, and I, you know, and I don't know if, you're, if, you know if you're in college, if you're in high school, or if you're already in the retirement years or somewhere in between. No matter where you are financially, a lot, a little, there's always this underlying propensity for us to feel stretched and for us to feel anxious. Now, Jesus goes on, and I, I love this. You know, we talk about here at Martha Bowman that we always want to give, give folks something to do this week. Like, let's, let's have a next step. And I'm, and I'm reading this passage, and I go, oh, Jesus, you're so cool. You gave us next steps. Here we go. So he has given us next steps. So if you're writing, you can do number one. He says, here's the thing. Know I love you. Know I care for you. And now here's how I want you to live that out. First thing, he says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Seek first my kingdom. Now, what does this mean and what does this look like? It, I mean, it, it looks like a lot of things, but I'm going to say this, is that with your money and with your finances, here's what it looks like. Give it all to him. Dedicate 100% to him. The bills, the stress, the income, the lifestyle, every single bit of it, Give it all to him. 
they say sometimes and on is that and I don't know who originated this statement that the last part of our hearts to get saved is that piece where we we, we keep our wallet that last part of our lives to get saved is our wallet now what does this look like um, and I'm going to go back to tithing because I think tithing is important but I had a friend and um, and she we were talking and I said we read a Bible study together and I said well what's been the most impactful thing that you've gotten out of the Bible study this 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 semester it's kind of doing a round table uh, you know asking folks around the circle to talk and uh, and she said my husband and I started tithing this year and I said well we haven't talked about tithing you know we were talking about I don't know Matthew or Mark or something like that and she said well she said I realized that that was the one area that we had not surrendered to Jesus and when we began it began to have a ripple effect on my spiritual life on my devotional life on my parent I mean on my, my marriage and it just it spread and I think because that was that last frontier of that area area that she and her husband had not surrendered was full surrender of their finances so one is seek first the kingdom of God the second part is to live righteously now in the next couple of weeks we're going to be talking about and unpacking what that looks like um, because there are so many scriptures about money management but let me give it to you pretty simple the bottom line is you cannot spend more than you make that's it you cannot spend more than you make it is simple math but it becomes very very difficult and so I want to offer this to you because we don't have time today to go into all of those scriptures and there like I said there's over 2,000 of them in the Bible Matthew every one out of every six so there's a lot to say but if you are in a place where you have gotten in over your head you have gotten in over your head financially you do not see a way out and especially especially if it is impacting the quality and the relationship of your marriage let me invite you to contact um, Crossroads Christian Counseling Center um, they are affiliated with with Martha Bowman actually it's a counseling center started out of this church back in the 90s but they have some some funds from a local bank to do free financial planning with families um, at no cost and the person who facilitates this he also has his counseling degree he's a licensed marriage and family therapist so he can do the whole thing he can talk about your money he can talk about your family he and he can integrate the whole all of it together let me invite you you can google their number um, if you need some help just write on your communication card can somebody shoot me an email give me a phone call with that contact information because my wife and I need it so let me encourage you to do that and the next thing is is to say so seek first the kingdom of heaven live righteously and he will give you everything that you need trust him believe him one of the things that Mark and I do you know we I will you know sometimes you talk on passages and you're like I've got it all together in this area you know Mark and I still struggle with this our wants always exceed our needs I'm never feeling like I'm safe enough you know this is my daily angst and struggle but here's one of the things that Mark and I do I'm just gonna lay it out here every Sunday evening we get together and I pull out my little list of everything that I've spent I mean I have like a budget how much I can spend he has his budget how much he can spend we've, we've worked on this together and at the every Sunday night we get out my computer get out my Excel spreadsheet nothing family fancy and we clock in you know I type in what we spent because we know where we want to 
to do so that we can live generously and we and so we can save and so we can be ready to take care of our grandkids and we know if we get overextended we can't be the people that God has called us to be and we know that's our guardrail that we need so we go over our finances and then we hold hands and we pray and we pray three things we pray first, we thank God for his provision in our life, giving us the ability to make wealth. We thank him for our jobs. Next, we ask him to help us to be good stewards. Help us, Lord. And then the third thing that we pray is we ask him for financial favor so that we might be a blessing to others. We pray for that. And not so that we can have more for us, we pray for financial favor so that we might have more impact for the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question. What would your life look like? What would be different if you would truly, truly, truly believe that the God of this universe knows your financial situation, he cares for you, and you can entrust it all to him and fully live with his principles? Uh, through his principles. How would future generations be impacted if you could live in such a way that you had enough margin to be generous? How would your children be impacted? How would your marriage be impacted for good and for better? And how might this world be impacted as we have are able to live in the blessings of God so that we might be a blessing for others? Now, in your next steps here, let me invite you to pull this out as we're finishing up here. Next steps, let me invite you to prayerfully read Matthew 6. It's just a great passage. In fact, read the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's a, you, I feel like I'm always saying this. You can read it this afternoon. Really, you can. It is great. <laughs> and you're going to get so much out of it. And it's going to come, I feel like it's just going to come alive, especially as we have just begun this conversation. I just trust that the Holy Spirit will speak more to you about this and, and specifically to your situation. Um, ask God to help you have his perspective on money, not your perspective. And like I said, there's so many great resources, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unpacking that more and more. And then the last one is set aside time to write out your financial priorities. Talk about that. Think about that. Who's, who in the family is the spender? Who is the family is the saver? Um, how can y'all bring that? Make sure you're staying within those guardrails so that the financial stretch and stress does not become overwhelming. Let us pray.